So can you feel the hara yet? It takes a while to make this your center rather than this your center. It takes returning over and over again to here. This place of no thinking, just awareness. Physicians are, and researchers are discovering that there's a second brain down here. Zen people have always said that. Well, this is one of the reasons that we sit with the mudra against our belly and don't sit with our hands out on our knees because this is our hara, this is our center. Not just the physical center of gravity of our body, but this is where we should be coming from. When we get up in our head, we get confused. The gut, the gut is not so confused. We listen from the gut, taste from the gut, move from the gut, from the hara. and things go smoothly. So really cultivate this awareness of the hara. Continual mindfulness of the hara when moving, when breathing. Everything originating from here. So when we put our hands in the mudra, we're holding that emptiness. This hara is empty, actually. It's an imaginary spot, an energetic spot, an energetic center, but it's an imaginary physical location in that dark cave of the abdomen. That's the hara. So we are holding that emptiness, a very precious thing in our mudra holding the whole universe in our hands as emptiness in that mudra. When we keep it here, then all of the energy that circulates in our body, body, physically circulates in our body, is concentrated here in this center, returns to this center over and over again, much healthier than walking around with a head that weighs 2,000 pounds and little spindly arms and legs that grab things and move them into the mouth and pull things in for the eyes to read and propel the brain around to the next thing it's interested in. We need to be bottom heavy, not top heavy. So continue to develop this awareness of the hara. from Shibayama Roshi's translation. A monk once asked Master Joshu, does a dog have Buddha nature or not? Joshu said, moo. In studying Zen, one must pass the barriers set up by ancient Zen masters. For the attainment of incomparable Satori, one has to cast away the discriminating mind. Those who have not passed the barrier and have not cast away the discriminating mind are all phantoms haunting trees and plants. Now tell me, what is the barrier of the Zen masters? Just this moo. It is the barrier of Zen. 
It is thus called the gateless barrier of Zen. Those who have passed the barrier will not only see Joshu clearly, but will go hand in hand with all the masters of the past, see them face to face. You will see with the same eye that they see with and hear with the same ear. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Don't you want to pass the barrier? Then concentrate yourself into this mu. With your 360 bones and 84,000 pores, making your whole body one great inquiry. Day and night work intently at it. Do not attempt nihilistic or dualistic interpretations. It is like having bolted a red-hot iron ball. You try to vomit it, but cannot. Cast away your illusory, discriminating knowledge and unconscious, unconsciousness accumulated up to now and keep on working harder. After a while, when your efforts come to fruition, all the oppositions, such as in and out, will naturally fuse and be identical. You will then be like a dumb person who has had a wonderful dream. They only know it personally within themselves. Suddenly you break through the barrier. You will astonish heaven and shake the earth. It is as if you have snatched the great sword of General Quan. You kill the Buddha if you meet him. You kill the ancient masters if you meet them. On the brink of life and death, you are utterly free. And in the six realms and the four modes of life, you live with great joy, a genuine life in complete freedom. Now, how should one strive with might and main work at this mu and be mu? If you do not stop or waver in your striving, then behold, when the Dharma candle is lighted, darkness is at once enlightened. Mumon's poem, The Dog, Buddha Nature. Truth is manifest in full. A moment of yes and no, lost are your body and soul. This koan has almost nothing to do with a dog. It's the monk's deep question about Buddha nature. He's heard what Shakyamuni Buddha said at the moment of his enlightenment. How wonderful, how wonderful. All beings are endowed from the beginning with Buddha nature. It is only because of their delusions that they cannot see this. This monk is asking, what is this Buddha nature? Where is this Buddha nature? Who is this Buddha nature? At one level, the koan is about the revulsion that we feel towards certain beings, old, mangy, smelly dogs, violent, sociopathic criminals, biting spiders, slimy worms, people who lie and cheat and betray us. Does each one of them have this pure Buddha nature? At one level, this koan is asking that question. Does everything, everything have this Buddha nature? Does Hitler have Buddha nature? Does Paul Pot have Buddha nature? Does Saddam Hussein have Buddha nature? Does President Bush have Buddha nature? 
do the American soldiers who have killed women and children in Iraq have Buddha nature? Do the Burmese soldiers who have killed monks, do they all have Buddha nature? From the beginning, do they have intrinsic Buddha nature? If so, why isn't it manifesting in a form that I can see, a form that I like? Am I deluded that I can't see it? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with Buddha nature? Why doesn't it appear in a nice form like fairy godmothers and rainbows and smiling Dalai Lamas and the sound of raindrops when I'm sitting in a cozy room with little kittens and a cup of hot chocolate? Why does it manifest as all this suffering, all these suffering, pitiful human beings? Is that Buddha nature? When no thing can give offense. But I only want to hang out with the things that I like to hang out with and the people I like to hang out with. When no thing can give offense. When all things are equal, seen with equal mind, then our self-nature, our Buddha nature appears. But we don't see ourselves with equal mind. We see ourselves either above or below, constantly putting ourselves above or below. It's such a pernicious mind habit. only with this very deliberate, sustained practice of substituting every thought with mu, can we begin to erode this habit pattern of decades. It's about stepping outside of ourselves. It's about dropping all awareness of this human body and mind. and entering a completely different body and mind, a different existence. A different existence. Can we freely step out of this individual awareness, of this individual body and mind, and step into any other awareness? And that's true freedom. That's what some of these koans ask of us. To turn away from the completely mesmerizing 3D color movie in wraparound sound starring me and choose another experience of being alive. A cedar tree out here in our garden, a fish, a flock of birds, a mangy dog, a feral cat, a buffalo. Master Goso said, it is like a buffalo passing through a window. The head, horns, and four legs have all passed through. Why is it the tail cannot? 
Can we step out of our human form and consciousness and become that buffalo and see from inside that buffalo what prevents it from passing through the window completely? What keeps us from passing through any Dharma gate? The numerous, numberless Dharma gates are all standing wide open, just waiting for us. Each leaf on each tree is just waiting for us. waiting for us to pass through. But we have to empty our bulging pockets, drop the huge garbage bag of old family laundry, the bundles of books that we've read, those stacks of op-ed pages we've saved, those point-of-view shows that we've taped and run again over and over in our heads. This is the correct point of view, my point of view. Well, I think, well, I used to think, well, I am, well, I used to be, well, I will be. We're all much too rich to pass through the eye of the needle. Rich, rich in I, me, mine. It is like a buffalo passing through a window. The head, horns, and four legs have all passed through. Why is it the tail cannot? Master Isan said, long after I'm dead, a buffalo will appear in the front yard. And it will have a name written on it. My name, Master Isan, such and such. But what will we do with a buffalo like that? When this buffalo appears in our parking lot, after Chosen is long dead and it has Chosen's name on it, what will you do with it? Actually, a buffalo did appear in our parking lot one day. Had the neighbor's name written on it. So these koans are not completely out of possibility. (laughs) They're talking about real things that happen. It is like a buffalo passing through a window. The head, horns, and forelegs have all passed through. Why is it the tail cannot? Even if we enter a Dharma gate and free ourselves from the tyranny of a human form and mind, Still, the tail can't pass through. What does that mean? Koans are essentially inquiry, deep inquiry. Can I go deeper into silent mind? Can I completely let go of thought? How would it be to function that way? If I keep going step by step, by step into that dark cave, will I die? The tail can't pass through. 
What does that mean? Does it mean it's impossible for us to be completely enlightened? Did all the Buddhas and ancient masters lie to us? Does it mean we choose to keep the tail from passing through in order to live and function here? All these must be deeply pondered, chewed on, breathed, lived with, and experienced at a level much below thought about yes and no, or good or bad answer. We have to let the koan pick us up, grind us up, and spit us out. Over and over and over again, Muman's poem, if it passes through, it falls into a ditch. If it turns back, it is destroyed. How easy when we think we've had a significant opening to fall into a ditch and struggle for years. And yet we cannot turn back. We cannot turn back. Because this enlightened nature is inside of us, always calling to us. We can try not to hear its call, but it will make us miserable. The trying to not hear the call, the trying to go back to sleep, will make us miserable. This tiny tale, how extremely marvelous, says Master Mumon. Why is it, why is it, this question that the monk asked in all earnestness, this was a very important question to him, not something that someone had assigned him, it was something he was turning over in his mind continually. What is Buddha nature? Why can't I see it? Why can't I experience it? Does this horrible old fetid dog experience Buddha nature and I can't? Why is it? Shibayama Roshi says, from olden times this demand, why is it, has been greatly revered as the ultimate secret of Goso's Zen. So Shibayama Roshi is saying, not only is this koan not about a dog, It's not about Buddha nature, it's about why is it? This question that pierces us. Shibayama Roshi says, it is the bleeding cry of compassion trying to eradicate the cause of human suffering. Why is it that war never stops? Why is it that peace never comes? Why is it that as soon as I leave Seshin, this loving, clear heart becomes irritated and closed again. Why is it? Though so each part of the koan can be taken up. Right now we're taking up in all earnestness. We are practicing in all earnestness. This means nothing held back. 
You know if you're holding something back. We all know if we're holding something back. Detect what is in the way and let it go. Dogen Zenji says, This world is but the tail of a buffalo passing through a window. The tail is the mind which knows neither passing nor not passing. When we break through our self-imposed bondage, when the mind is open to full capacity, there is no boundary, no barrier, no place to pass from or to. But we always put limits on our mind. As soon as we think, it shrinks down to the size of what we're thinking about. Food, a mate, bed, tea, movie, garden, war, elections, job, vacation. All of these are tiny worlds that our mind keeps circling around in. If we let it keep running in its little squirrel cage wheel, rumpada, 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 I, me, mine, rumpada, rumpada, I, me, mine. The purpose of our practice is to open the cage and step out. Joshu once asked Nansen, what is the Tao, the way? Nansen answered, ordinary mind is Tao. That's Mumon Khan case 19. Mumon Khan case 24. Nansen, Joshu's teacher, says, mind is not Buddha. Wisdom is not the Tao. This is from Yatsutani Roshi in Three Pillars of Zen. The first of these types of Zen we call Bampu or ordinary. Zen as opposed to the other four, each of which can be thought of as a special kind of Zen suitable for the particular aims of different individuals. Bampu Zen being free from in any philosophic or religious content, is for anybody and everybody. It is a Zen practiced purely in the belief that it can improve both physical and mental health. Since it can almost certainly have no ill effects, anyone can undertake it. Whatever religious beliefs he, happen to hold, he happens to hold, if he holds any at all, Bampu Zen is bound to eliminate sickness of a psychosomatic nature and to improve the health generally. Through the practice of Bampu Zen, you learn to concentrate and control your mind. It never occurs to most people to try to control their minds. And unfortunately, this basic training is left out of contemporary education, not being part of what is called the acquisition of knowledge. Yet without it, what we learn is difficult to retain because we learn it improperly, wasting so much energy in the process. Actually, we live life wasting so much energy in the process. Indeed, we are virtually crippled unless we know how to restrain our thoughts and concentrate our minds. 
Furthermore, by practicing this very excellent mode of mind training, you will find yourself increasingly able to resist temptations to which you had previously succumbed and to sever attachment which had held you in bondage. An enrichment of personality and a strengthening of character inevitably follows since the three basic elements of mind, that is, intellect, feeling, and will, develop harmoniously. The quietist sitting practiced in Confucianism seems to have stressed mainly these effects of mind concentration. However, the fact remains that Bampu Zen, although far more beneficial for the cultivation of the mind, than the reading of countless books on ethics and philosophy is unable to resolve the fundamental problem of man and his relationship to the universe. Why? Because it cannot pierce the ordinary person's basic delusion of themselves as distinctly other than the universe. It's easy to read koans and think, oh, I get it. This means blah, 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 blah. Ordinary means that whatever I think, that's the enlightened mind, that's the Buddha mind. The Buddha mind is just made up of all of our minds. But listen to the rest of that koan. Ordinary mind is Tao, Joshu. Joshu, remember who traveled until he was 80, studied for 40 years with his teacher, Nansen. And then after Nansen died, traveled until he was 80, from 60 to 80, and then settled down and began teaching. Joshu once asked Nansen, so this is when he's still studying with Nansen, what is Tao? Nansen answered, ordinary mind is Tao. Then should we direct ourselves toward it or not? asked Joshu. If you try to direct yourself toward it, you go away from it, answered Nansen. Joshu continued, if we do not try, how can we know that it is the Tao? Nansen replied, Tao does not belong to knowing or to not knowing. Knowing is illusion, not knowing is blankness. If you really attain the Tao of no doubt, it is like the great void, so vast and boundless. How then can there be right and wrong in the Tao? At these words, Joshu was suddenly enlightened. Mumon's commentary, questioned by Joshu, Nansen immediately shows that the tile is disintegrating, the ice is dissolving, and no communication whatsoever is possible. Even though Joshu may be enlightened, he can truly get it only after studying for 30 more years. Mumon's poem, Hundreds of Flowers in Spring, The Moon in Autumn, A Cool Breeze in Summer and Snow in Winter, if there is no useless, vain cloud in your mind, for you it is a good season. If there is no useless cloud in your mind, for you it is a good day, every day. It is a good moment, every moment. So ordinary mind is the way does not mean our mind cluttered with useless vain thoughts is the way. Joshua took 30 more years to really get down to ordinary mind and make it his 
ordinary mind. This is an ordinary mind, which is an extraordinary mind that they're talking about. When we look at it with our ordinary way of functioning mind. An ordinary mind that is not caught in delusion and not blank. This is a distinction that was made in the first koan too, in Uman's commentary. Cast away your illusory, discriminating knowledge and consciousness accumulated up to now. Do not attempt nihilistic or dualistic interpretations. Don't fall into yes, don't fall into no. Here Muman says, Don't be caught in delusion and don't be caught in blankness. Not knowing and not not knowing. Not individual and able to work with the details and not universal and vast. Freely functioning, going from stillness, going from stillness in the zendo to running down the hall. Going from silence to great noise. That's freedom. No friction, no gaps. We talk a lot about freedom and liberation in this practice. It's not what we think it is. It's not like what teenagers think freedom is. Oh, freedom from nagging parents. Freedom from having to do schoolwork that I don't want to do. Freedom from a schedule someone else sets for me. But as we all know, being at least a few years past teenage years, once you escape from those imagined causes of unhappiness and imprisonment, then you face the nagging voices inside. The confusion inside. Then you face the work that you must do to stay alive. Work that makes schoolwork look like vacation. Then you face a schedule that your body demands, that is set by your body demands. It gets hungry. And how are you going to feed it, clothe it, shelter it? So ordinary and ordinary life people escape from one prison and jump into another one of their own making. True freedom has nothing to do with external circumstances. True freedom has to do with functioning anywhere and everything that we do. Freedom is breathing. Freedom is walking. Freedom is in pain. Freedom in being tired. Freedom is available all the time if we are in the flow of particle after particle samadhi. So the example that I always work with is if we've got a large order of Jizos and I'm cleaning dozens of Jizos and I'm sanding dozens of Jizos and then I'm painting face paint on dozens of Jizos and then I'm glazing dozens of Jizos and then I'm trimming dozens of Jizos. And every time I finish one task, I come back to the same Jizos but a new task. 
And as soon as my mind slips into the future, and I start counting, oh no, I've only got four done, I have 20 more to do, then the prison of unhappiness closes around my mind. Fortunately, I have the tools of practice. I can go back to Moo, just this ear, just this one brush stroke, feeling through my hand into the tip of the brush. And then I'm free again. Dogen Zenji says, relevant to this in and out, in and out of prison, going and coming, going and coming from the one to the one, and from the one to the one. Dogen Zenji says, dropping off body and mind is good practice. Make a vigorous effort to pierce your nostrils. Piercing your nostrils means take hold of this stubborn self, this resistant fighting self, take hold of it and pierce it like you do an ox and tame it so that it can be led around this mind. So when it starts to protest, oh no, 20 more Jesus, we take it by the nostrils and we lead it to moo. We lead it to this brushstroke and this breath. And then the bars open and we are free again. Dropping off body and mind is good practice. Make a vigorous effort to pierce your nostrils. Karmic consciousness is endless with nothing fundamental to rely on, including not others, not self, not sentient beings, and not causes or conditions. Although this is so, eating breakfast comes first. So Dogen Zenji is just wonderful for leading us from the one to the one. From vastness into eating breakfast comes next. (coughs) Freedom in breathing, freedom in walking, freedom in pain, freedom in being tired. And we do get tired doing this practice, especially for people who have never done this energetic kind of practice before. At first it can make us feel tired but very soon it liberates energy. It plugs us into a larger energy source, unlimited power and light. And as that energy moves through us, it can be a bit unstable. It can rush, we can feel heat, we can feel giddy, outpourings of creativity, When the ocean is full, many rivers flow backwards. When those rivers begin to flow backwards, they can be a little turbulent. And they're not used to the energy flowing backwards, flowing in. We're used to energy flowing out all the time. It flows in until we're full to overflowing, and then it flows out. So you may feel that energy, even when you're asleep or not falling asleep. So then we practice lying on our back, 
relaxing the body, breathing, open, or sitting up on the bed, or come back to the zendo. If we can't sleep at night because the energy is surging or the nada sound is so loud it's deafening, that means get up and come sit. Or lie in the darkness and invite it in, open to it. We can be taught in our sleep. Mary Oliver dreamed this poem in her sleep. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand this was a gift. It's a gift, this darkness, this complete emptying out. Drop off body and mind. Body and mind dropped away. Drop, 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 drop. Whatever is extra at this moment, let it go. The rain is teaching us. Every single raindrop is waiting for us. Drop, 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 listen, drop. So ordinarily in a session that's focused on koans, focused on mu, which none of us have passed, we would keep working on mu, one koan, Sufficient for an entire lifetime. In the Korean tradition, often you're given one koan for your whole life. You just keep using it to drill, 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 drill. Mu is a koan for a whole lifetime, or more than a whole lifetime. Maybe it picked us up from another lifetime and brought us here. So ordinarily, we would keep on working on Mu. But if you wish to try a koan, a beginning koan, a public case, which is the meaning of koan, then tell me in Sanzen tonight and I will give you a koan. And then tomorrow, if you have a koan, one of these koans, I will see you three times in the Rinzai way, where you're in and out, presenting the koan in and out. So you can decide whether you want to keep working on Mu, keep letting Mu work on you, or whether you'd like to try a koan. The koan, the ultimate koan is right here, right now. Soak in this silence. Soak in this darkness. Oh. Uh-huh.